Welcome to the Homegirls. Four top producing mega realtors, moms, wives, and friends talking about real estate and real life. Angela, Kristen, Jessica, and Lindsay are in the top 1% of all real estate agents and would be honored to receive your real estate referrals in Colorado. Join us as we drop a new episode every Monday anywhere podcasts are aired, in real life on YouTube, and connect with us every day on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at HomegirlsCO. Thanks for listening. We love you. This is Lindsay, and you're about to hear a voice that you won't recognize on today's podcast. That's because I was recently interviewed by Kevin Kaufman, one half of Group 4610 Network and The Kevin and Fred Show. Thanks so much for listening, and be sure to check out these guys anywhere podcasts are aired by searching The Kevin and Fred Show. All right, Next Level Podcast listeners, we're back, and today I'm I'm so excited about this. My homegirl is joining us today, Lindsay Mann Emerson, Lindsay Mann hyphen Emerson. I, I told her I wasn't going to pronounce the hyphen, but I, I lied. I decided to do that. Uh, Lindsay is a top agent, kick-ass agent from Denver, Colorado, and I'm super excited to have you here with us. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. This is a, a serious honor for me as a person who has followed you for a really long time. So thank you for having me. Awesome. Well, I appreciate that. Um, so, cause you've done some really cool stuff, which is why I'm excited to talk about it today. Talk about your business and your journey in real estate. Yes, sir. Let's, okay, I think this is going to catch some people off guard. This is something that even caught me off guard learning about you is, so tell me at what age did you get involved in real estate? Let's start there before we even go into the dynamics of your business and what, what your world is like. Yeah, I was, I was 17. Um, so I have always had a passion for homes. When we moved to Colorado, when I was really young from California, my mom would take us to the Parade of Homes, which is a showcase of, you know, the biggest and, and most beautiful and all the cool tech, what it was way back then. <laughs> but, um, and, you know, we'd go through every year and I just loved houses. And at some point in high school, that turned into on the weekends, if I was bored and had nothing to do, I'd go look at builder model homes. And I'd been into a national builders model homes in my town a few times. And one day I was in there and I happened to say to the lady saleswoman, how do you do this for a living? What does this take? I was getting ready to think about graduating high school and what I wanted to do with my life. And she said, well, it just so happens that I'm actually filling in for the salesperson today. I'm actually the vice president of sales for what at the time was the nation's number one builder. Um, and she said, I'm looking for a sales assistant. Would you come in and interview? So I interviewed with her, got the job, and I spent six or seven years on site in various different parts of the business, all over the business. We actually created what was the nation's very first um, online sales department for a builder. So at that time, the internet was just coming about and people would you know, go online looking for houses and we were the first builder in the entire United States to have somebody staffed full time that would take their online inquiries. <laughs> so that was really fun. Um, but yeah, 17, 17 years old, she actually kind of faked my employment papers oh. <laughs> to, to get me um, that spot. And she was just an amazing mentor for me in the business. And 
Um, when the business changed, I mean, that's what's crazy and fun about real estate, right? The minute that you get used to it, it completely turns over on its head. Um, so, you know, the, the crash came and um, at that point I was in management, but I, would, I could sit in my sales center for three weeks at a time and not see a human being. And I was pregnant with my son and it just, it wasn't working for me. So I went out on the resale side in REO and I did REO at a high level, which is about as different as you can get from selling brand new, beautiful homes to for sure walking through evicting people craziness. So let's slow down for a second. So what year was that, that you decided to leave new home sales? That would have been 2009. So 2009, so 10, 11 years ago. Okay. Mm -hmm. So a few years into your career. Um, and what, what was it about, um, was it just like, Hey, you realized the writing was on the wall. You weren't going to be able to make a ton of money anymore, or at least the money you wanted to make in the new home sales side. And I got to ask like, why REO? What was it about REO? I'm curious to learn a little bit more about that business. Yeah. So it was definitely seeing the writing on the wall that things were changing, but it was also just, I mean, I've been very entrepreneurial since I was young um, and I just wanted more control over my business and over my life and um, new home sales and, and resale, they are two sides of the same coin, but that is a job for sure. You know, you're right. when to be there, when to go home, you don't have weekends off, you have no control over your life, which is actually kind of a joke because for anybody that's been self-employed for any period of time, you have probably less control <laughs> than you would working for somebody else. But I was just ready to do something for myself. I wanted more. Okay. So why REO? Like it was, what, what was going on that made you decide, hey, I'm going to go after REO accounts or, or get into the REO side of the business? I think a lot of it just naturally was that that was the climate and the market at the time because, okay. um, you know, Denver, Denver was hit really hard by um, everything that was going on. And we just had a, a huge, I mean, that was probably 70% of all the business that was out there was REO at that time. So, um, and I loved, the part that I loved about that business is like on my disc, I'm a really high DI and I have like absolutely no C in me at all. I move quickly, I'm not analytical, but I love data and statistics and I actually really I was really surprised to find out that I loved doing BPOs and digging into what was going on in the market and I loved that part of it so I enjoyed it it was a crazy crazy couple of years for sure interesting so how so how long did you have REOs and, and what like when did your business start to shift away from that um 2000 so that was like 2009 ish and it probably again once i had accounts and was doing very well in reo things started to to trend upward and transition we we started to have a lot of that ramping down here in town so probably i started transitioning to more the typical resale side 2012 maybe okay 11 12 so, so what was that like? Well, well, I'm curious, just curious what that, like the transition was like, cause here you are now. So it's 2012, you've been in the business. Um, what at that point, like a decade or so. Yes. And you're, you're go, you've 
been new home sales, REO, and now you're going to kind of go into this more traditional market. Like this is your third drastically different type of business model and setup, if you will, in, a, in only a decade. So I'm curious, what was it? What was the shift? Like, did you go, hey, I see the future where our REOs are starting to go away or did the REOs already go away? So you were forced into it in a way, like what, what was that decision process like? And then tell me kind of what was it like learning, kind of having to start over again? Yeah, um, it, it was already starting to like kind of trickle and fade away. Um, I had always been, I have a marketing degree. I'm super passionate about marketing. I had always been very, careful to not only work REO. So even while I was doing that, I was, I was still marketing towards a typical resale business and I was still working typical resale deals outside of it. Um, uh, some good, good friends of mine did not do that and had a really tough transition and went from, you know, top agents in the entire country to having to completely gut everything down and revamp everything all over again. So I think I was a little bit lucky that I was working kind of both sides a little bit at the same time. Um, but I mean, it just, you know, we all, I think had a lot of really scary and really lean years there. Yeah. It was definitely a huge transition to go from, I was probably doing about 15 to 17 million a year on the REO side. And then I probably went down to doing maybe five or six million a year before I was really able to shift and ramp up a regular resale business. Well, that's quite a bit because I know as recently as just a couple of years ago, you're like well over a hundred million. And yeah. um, so, I mean, and we'll get into that. Uh, to your point though, I, I feel the same, you know, when we were going through it, it, I felt like when we were shifting our business away from short sales into the more traditional um, I felt like we did it too late and I felt like we were too slow. But the thing I noticed is that one day I had a, a buddy of mine who worked at, a t at our title company he was like, Hey, I know you don't feel like this, but you've actually, you guys have turned the corner significantly easier, faster, better than a lot of your short sale and REO friends that we both know used to be the top agents in town. And, um, and I was like, that was the first time I kind of like got up and like, you know, looked around and went, Oh yeah. And I, you know, I've got plenty of friends that are, I, I swear here we are a decade later, eight years later, whatever it is. And like, they haven't recovered. Some of them aren't even in the business anymore. Yeah. Um, and so that's a tough, like just having gone through that transition myself, I know that it's, you know, that it's tough and you kind of had to probably like us, like we had to go back to basics. And I always tell people like 2013 is the year I learned to be a realtor. Yes. Even though I'd sold, I don't know, a thousand houses or so at that point, that was the year I actually learned to be a realtor. Well, they're very different they're completely different skill sets honestly yeah. and it was a really i mean it was all overnight like a huge shift back to a very different mindset and a very different skill set so i know a lot of people that didn't turn the corner and it was that's hard they were great agents yeah totally so okay so here's what i want okay because you said you like you were down to like you know five six million a year but i also know because you and i were talking offline before we started you mentioned like doing well over 200 deals yourself just it was at 2018 um so to do 200 deals that's more than five or six million in volume no matter what market you're in especially in denver 
Um, so what, what would talk, kind of walk me through that ramp up a little bit. So you get out of REO, kind of go into this more traditional business. How does your business start to evolve and, and what does it look like today? Um, I have always, I've been very blessed to run a pretty heavily sphere and referral based business, uh, which is fabulous. And I'm, I'm so blessed and thankful for everybody that supports me and my business and my family here. Um, but it was a lot of marketing to sphere. I've, I've done all the things, um, you know, when, <laughs> when we went from, that REO to that, that resale, that jump, um, I started, you know, I was door knocking, I was doing open houses, I was doing all kinds of um, things just to, to do anything that I could to make that transition safely. Um, and then, you know, it just, it grew over time. Uh, we, I've always, again, I'm super passionate about marketing and taking advantage of any opportunity that I can. So I've always, worked really hard to make sure that any transaction that I do turns into at least two other transactions. That's the idea. So a listing turns into two others, buyer turns into two others. So um, just really focusing on all of the activities that you're supposed to focus on to grow that business. And then um, about six, six and a half years ago, I had an opportunity to enter into doing what we call here in town list assist business with one of the big national builders in town. So um, I, you know, I've always kept really close connections with my new home construction folks and people that I've known over the years. And we were brought in to, to be kind of an in-house real estate agent for one of the big national builders. And so that kind of catapulted us into another space with a much higher transaction level. And again, I've just always been really mindful of um, most of my counterparts that also do this, again, go into only working that builder part of the business. And they, they're about 35% of our business yearly. So we've been really mindful to make sure that, again, we take those opportunities and turn them into other opportunities. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I think that's a great point that so many people miss is they get this opportunity, builder, REO, short set, whatever it looks like, right? I'll call it an account. Yes. Um, they get some sort of account type of business and they don't ever do anything other. They, most of us tend to just kind of like go all in on that. And it's great. I get it. Maximize the opportunity and um, be really smart about the way I love what you've done is you've just continued to to build up what I'll call the more traditional side of it, no matter what you're doing. And I think that's super important for longevity in this business. It's why it's probably, it's why some of our friends who, who did REOs and short sales either didn't, they're not still selling real estate or they're just not doing it nearly to the level that they'd like to be. Correct. And I think it, you know, I've been burned by the market and it's changing and volatility so many times that I was just always really conscious of, I need to make sure that I have more than one vertical of how I'm getting my business to make sure that if this changes or something happens and the builder world is, you know, since that downturn, they've changed so drastically too, that I've always been cognizant of this could change and yeah. then really be in trouble. So I think you just have to make sure that you're not pigeonholing yourself somewhere that you could lose your whole business if it moves 
Yeah, for sure. Ben Kenny always uh, taught it to me like it's think of it as like a stool that you're sitting on, right? If it's only got one leg and it gets knocked out, you're you're done. Exactly. Two legs, you might be able to balance for a little while, but if you have three or four legs, like you can lose one and you'll be okay. Um, and so, and that's just the reality. You you use the word market volatility is um, sometimes stuff happens that is outside of our control, and markets change and things change. It doesn't mean that we can't be successful though. It just means we might need to change up how we're doing things. And I, I think that's what you're saying. Yes. So, okay, cool. So tell me like, what is your, when you say we, um, give me an idea, like how many transactions do you anticipate you'll do in, in 2020 or what'd you do in 2019? And, and tell me how many people does that include beside yourself and like, what's your major role in that business? Yeah. So that has changed drastically. So in, in 2018, we did 290 units and I did 222 of those myself. It was, um, My about, hearing you say that. Know, it's, it's brutal. It was, uh, about 150 million in volume. And at that point I had a team, we had two full-time admin, we had an operations person and we had four buyers agents. And I came off the year in 18 going into 2019 going, this isn't necessarily what I wanted. <laughs> I had no real leverage. I was obviously pounding the pavement. I was working a hundred hours a week and it didn't, it didn't feel like a team. You know, there wasn't any, any real support. And um, obviously a large part of that was due to the fact that I was so busy in, you know, so heavily in production that I wasn't focusing myself on the team building out the way that it needed to. And so I, decided that I wanted to ramp it down and go back to focusing on profitability and take a, you know, kind of a break and, and figure out what I wanted to do next. Um, and so 18, I did about half of that volume and yeah. I, I felt like a total schlub. Like I, <laughs> I felt like I took loser. You only sold 150 houses yeah, last year. I, oh I, my gosh. I, I feel like I took the whole year off. Like it, it was uh, a little, I felt a little bit bad about it. So someone's listening to this right now, by the way, going F you, you only, you only sold 150. Now I like not really saying F you, but I, I hear where you're coming from. Like you're an achiever. You're somebody that goes out and gets stuff done and it can feel like that. I remember, you know, I can remember a very similar feeling, um, you know, only selling, quote unquote, only selling a certain number of houses, right? It, it can feel weird when you're used to doing things a certain way, regardless of whether or not it was good for you, right? Or whether or not it was like, brought you balance or what you want in your life. Um, it still feels weird when you don't, I guess, you know, achieve at that level that you think you should be. Well, yeah, and just from going from years and years, like a, probably a good 10 years just running around with my hair on fire and having absolutely no life and nothing outside of my business to ramp it down and have it be quieter, you know, like it would, it would wake me up in the middle of the night. Like I would wake up in a cold sweat going, I have to be forgetting something because I'm not stressed out what's happening, you know? So it, it was a, it was that last year was definitely a, a weird year for me um, to kind of ramp it down and do less on purpose felt really, really strange. And then probably two thirds of the way through the year last year in 19, I got bored <laughs> and then decided, okay, well, let's start talking about what 2020 will look like. So 
Um, this year, my goal is to do probably about that same volume, but to start building in leverage pieces that are actually effective and work. Okay. So, how, so let me ask you this. So let's talk about 2019 though for a minute. Sure. Um, so, okay. So you realize you got a little bored because maybe you had too much free time on your, you start driving across the country. I noticed from Facebook um, to teach but, people how to do things. Uh, we won't talk about airplanes right now. Um, so you start driving across the country, you're bored. Um, do you do, like, do you feel better? Like, did you feel more balanced? Like what, what, tell me about that. Like what's the different, cause you coming off of 2018 was exhausting. You probably were ready to fall over and sleep for a couple of weeks. Yep. Coming out of 2019, you're like probably ready to run through a brick wall. Like, where's the balance there? And like, what, like, what are you thinking about? How do you feel about 2019 when you really reflect on it? It was a very introspective year for me. I'm grateful for it. I got to slow down and really think about my priorities, think about what's important to me, and then also um, take much needed time to dig into like the mechanics of my actual business, go back through the last several years of, you know, profit and loss statements and back through profitability and, um, you know, going through and cutting out any superfluous expenses for things that weren't performing and just really analyzing what the business had been doing for a long time and really analyzing personally what I'd been doing for a long time. So is it fair to say like you're, you are now, you're beginning to go, hey, I need to act more like the business owner and not just the, the lead salesperson in the company? Yes. Is that, is that accurate? Yeah, so I have said for a few years now that my business has felt like we were flying, here's the airplane reference, flying an airplane a thousand miles an hour straight into the ground because there wasn't really somebody in the pilot's chair directing it where to go. Right. And, you know, um, I just, I didn't have the time, you know, I, we kept, we were adding leverage pieces. They weren't quite working correctly. And no matter what we did, I was still working a hundred hours a week and still so heavily entrenched in production that I just couldn't focus the time to do anything else. And it just didn't, it didn't feel good. You know, it's like nobody, it's kind of like buying a restaurant. Nobody buys a restaurant and says, 10 years from now, I still want to be the hostess, the manager, the busser, the sure. line cook, opening and closing it every single night. You know, at some point, the whole point is that it's supposed to grow into something bigger than that. And it just, it wasn't, it wasn't growing into a real team. And we were spending an ungodly amount of money pumping leads through a team that just wasn't doing anything with them. And so 19 was really about, okay, let's cut everything out that we don't need and go back to the basics, that whole go slow to go fast thing and, yeah. and break it down and figure out what's next. I, I, it's great that you did that. Um, seriously, and hats off to you because I know so many agents, like they actually don't slow down to, to look at things strategically and to start to make better decisions to, like, like you said, like you didn't start the um start the restaurant to keep doing those jobs same jobs 10 years later yet when you and i look at most of the realtors we know who have been in the business for 10 or more years they're still the hostess the waitress the the cook you know the cashier all that stuff in their business so hats off to you for even recognizing like hey somebody should do this and it's going to be me right so that's good so tell me 2020 um 
I want to talk about like your, you know, whether goals or kind of how you see yourself too, not just in the real estate business, but like, I want to talk about home girls yeah. uh, for sure. And some of the stuff that you have planned there. Um, tell me anything else around the, like your actual sales team first though. Like what are your major, um, like, where does your business come from? Is it all sphere? Do you still, are you still doing a lot of builder business? Tell, give me a little bit idea of what that mix look like look, that mix looks like, sorry, in 2020. And, um, is there something, anything new that you're adding to that or kind of pouring gasoline on any of the fire? Yeah. So, um, my biggest sources of business have always been sphere and referral, um, which I have enjoyed teaching some classes around the country on, um, you know, like a, a pretty high level 36 touch sphere type uh, system. So I'm really systematized in that. And I love, love that piece of it. Um, I'm also really heavily into what I would call micro farming. So I'm really intentional about, um, I'm a high volume listing agent and I'm really intentional about capitalizing any on any listing that I have and turning it into exponentially more business. So anywhere that I have a listing, I market the hell out of around that for a certain period of time. Um, and I've done that really effectively for a few years. It's been, that's been great. And then the builder is about 35% of my business and that world, that world is going through a very large change itself. Um, the builder that I work with, they made $150 million investment in open door at the end of 18. And so that was another, um, kind of, I don't want to say warning bell, but you know, something that went off in my brain that said, okay, even the builder, the builder world starting to change now too. Um, they are heavily pushing people towards the iBuyer programs just for the ease of getting their clients home sold quickly and into their inventory homes quickly. So that's changing too. Yeah, for sure. Um, real quickly on that mark, can you give me an idea? What does that micro farming look like? You mentioned you do that for uh, like a cert, like a set period of time. Mm-hmm. Is that all, is that all online? Is it online, offline? Like, give me an idea of what that looks like for you. Yeah, definitely online, offline. So um, a lot of the same things that everybody else does, right? So we do a core fact mailing for a, a just listed, a just, uh, a just listed under contract and then a just sold. Um, we also do uh, Facebook ads surrounding just listed under contract and just sold. Um, and then we mail out a handwritten personal letter to uh, the whole entire neighborhood three times after the house has sold. It has three different messages uh, with it. Usually, it's usually something, um, the house went under contract, the house appraised, <laughs> because that's a miracle. We hit a sold price record. Oh, yeah. And then, and then the house sold. Um, and then we'll door knock and do things like that in the community, community events and things like that too. Wow. So you, you really do attack it from all angles. Yes. Yeah. And it's worked really, really well. Awesome. Okay, cool. So, um, to shift gears a little bit, uh, tell, first of all, tell the, tell the audience, like what's home girls who, and who's involved in home girls. Yeah. So, um, the home girls, 
about three-ish, maybe even closer to four years ago, um, I was feeling this kind of drought in my personal life of people that I could talk to <laughs> about my business and life and being a mom and a wife and um, you know, a business owner and all these different things and the pressures that come along with that. And so I started, it started as just a Facebook group. I picked women. There were about 10 of us, maybe 15 in the beginning that all had a kind of similar production level and that had a similar life vibe to me with their families. And, um, you know, initially we would just kind of get together and commiserate on Facebook. Uh, and then it turned into, we'd get together every month and we'd go to breakfast or lunch with each other and spend a couple hours just like enjoying fellowship with like-minded people. And, um, after a while, I got very close with three of the women in that group and we started to spend kind of a lot of time together and they're all here in my area, but we're kind of in like four corners of the state, which is fun. So we don't really compete against each other, which makes it collaborative and enjoyable. But, um, you know, last year we just decided that we like spending time together so much that we wanted to do more of it. So, I mean, it's really, at this point, it's a passion project, I would say, and we don't know where it's going yet, but our idea is just to spend time together, talk about the business and kind of reach out to other people who, again, have that similar life vibe and might enjoy hearing from us. So, okay, so give us, give me your partner's names. Yes, so Jessica Lentz, she is, I mean, all, all three of these women have really turned into, I, I feel so blessed that they're in my life. They're amazing. Uh, get you some friends. That would be like, that's not something that I've ever had in this business before. And that's been a, a big game changer for me to have like-minded people to talk to about things. So Jessica is um, here, but she's a little bit further west than I am. I stay more towards the east side of the state. Uh, Angela Fugate, she's down in Colorado Springs, and she has an independent brokerage down there. She's amazing. And then Kristen Gad is in Pueblo, which is even further south of Angela, and um, she's a husband and wife team down there. So, yeah, um, I, and I know Jessica probably the best out of the four of you, uh, for sure. You and Jessica, I know the best out, out of the four of you. Um, and what I will say about Jessica is like she's a absolute fucking powerhouse like don't ever let her fool you with how nice she can be or how funny she is she'll, she'll cut your throat and sell you all the houses um and coach you into be in love and love up on you all at the same time like she's she's amazing and i know that she only hangs out with other people like that and so i mean her and i were talking recently on, on the phone about some of the stuff you guys are gonna you know you guys are doing and starting to roll out in 2020, which I'm super excited about because you guys all have, I mean, you all have families, you're all running a business, right? So you guys are all juggling these major things. And, and truthfully, well, I don't know all the details of, of all four families, but I know you guys are all, you guys are all bringing home, you guys are all bringing home significant incomes, carrying the, the load on, on, fa on the family side and the mom side and all that stuff. And so there's a lot that's on your shoulders and it's not like you're the only four out there that do that and what I love is you guys are ready to give back to others that are doing it and kind of have a place for that so can you tell us more of like what's the vision for homegirls like 
you know, I'm just going to say it, podcast. Um, is the Facebook group going to go other places? Tell us about some of that other stuff you have, you have planned and uh, that you think will be rolled out sometime eventually in 2020. Yeah. So, I mean, honestly, I, I think that the whole idea kind of came about because I've always called real estate the island. It can be really, really isolating. You know, it's, it's a competitive business. It's difficult to find people that you can talk to, brainstorm with, or even, you know, share what your struggles and your wins are. Um, and we know that there are a lot of us out there that are like us that are either already established in their careers or, you know, people that are just coming up in their careers. And um, I think the four of us, we run very, very different businesses, which is kind of fun. Um, but we're all very similar personality. Um, and I think so initially we decided that we definitely want to do a podcast. We're kind of under construction with that right now, starting to work on uh, what it is that we want to talk about, talking about who we'd like to have on our show, Kevin. I think we're asking to be officially our first guest, not to put you on the spot or anything. I already told Jessica yes, like, heck yeah. Yeah, and I mean, we just want to interview and talk to people that are doing really cool things in different parts of the businesses all over the country. So we'll roll that out. Our goal is to roll that out on April 1st. I think so, should do it on April 1st. Um, that's yeah, funny. Yeah, you guys. So, um, what she's not saying is they're all hilarious, um, with strong personalities, really okay. strong. And um, what I love is you guys just all have a heart to like to give back to other people. Um, and I love the fact that you guys all four have really drastically different business models, um, and and juggle a lot. Like that, that's with my with this podcast, this whole when I'm interviewing agents, like one of the things I'm always trying to highlight or one of the points I want to get across to the listener is that there's not one way to do things. There's not one model. Like, um, you know, I learned so much from the millionaire real estate agent model and in my 11 years at Keller Williams Realty, like so, so appreciative of that. And I think what happens is that we can tend to think everything has to look like this one model because we call it the model and not all businesses need to be that way. Um, there's a lot of different things like Jessica runs a highly profitable kick-ass model, but like put her units up against yours. Like it does, it doesn't compare. Right. But they shouldn't compare because they're different businesses. And that's what I'm always trying to get across to like some of the agents maybe that I'm mentoring or coaching is like, listen, do not compare your business to mine or your activities to mine because we're literally playing different games. We happen to both be selling houses. Yeah. But that's kind of the similarities probably in there. And I think it's okay to do things based on our own personal strengths, our own personal um, desires. Like the way I always would say it like this to coaching clients is decide what kind of relationship you want to have with your business. Yeah. Like, where do you, like, what do you, how do you participate? How, what's your relationship to the business? And then start to build around that as opposed to just going, I'm going to go fit myself into this little, you know, peg or to this hole, even though I might be a square peg and the hole's round. So. And that's, that's a trap that I even fell into. I mean, that was a big part of like all that introspection that I did last year was like, what do I want my business to yeah. be? Because we're constantly filled up with all this message that goes more, 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 bigger, 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 more people, more this, more that, you know, 
more units, more volume. And it, you know, it, 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 it doesn't have to be that way. It works really well for some people, but I mean, Jessica runs a super lean, super mean business where she literally spends almost absolutely nothing to bring business in. She also has the best boundaries that I've ever seen a person in this business have. She knows exactly what she wants and just won't tolerate anything that doesn't fit into that. Um, Angela runs an independent brokerage and she is heavily into staging properties and she's a high volume listing agent and she's one of the most generous and giving people I've ever met. Kristen is the ballsiest human being on the planet. She is amazing at FISBOs and expireds and all of those things that they teach you that you should do that we're all too scared to do. <laughs> so, you know, we're all very different and we just kind of thought that it would be cool exactly like you said to let people know that, you know, this is a world where you can build anything that you want any way that you want. It's really exciting. For sure. Yeah. And I think that's super awesome. And I'll, I'll put all the links, but like, where can people find out more about, is it just on Facebook right now? Is there, I know there's the page, but is there like a group right currently that it's active or what does that look like today? No. So just right now we have the, the Facebook page going, all that's in the works. Um, we're silently all working on Kristen's working on Snapchat. I'm working on TikTok. We're all doing all the things. Um, so we'll roll that out eventually, but um, Homegirl's Facebook page right now, or just connecting with one of us individually. Cool. Well, I'll make sure that we link to that on um, on the show notes. Is there, is there um, anywhere else, if someone wanted to reach out to you, Lindsay, um, to just maybe send you a referral or reach out to learn from you or whatever the case is, where should they do that? Is Facebook the best place? Facebook is great. Um, that works for me. My cell phone is 720-365-7174 and you can call or text me there anytime. You can find me on Instagram, but that's where Kevin and I are usually making highly inappropriate jokes all day long. So, yeah, so be careful. Follow at your own risk. Yeah, you've been warned. Um, we're highly inappropriate. So, okay. Very cool. So any, any parting shots, anything you want to leave us with today or something I, sh I should have asked you about before we wrap up? Um, no, I appreciate being here. I've loved listening to your show and I hope you keep at it for a really long time. You've had some amazing people on your show that I've, Barry Jenkins, I was listening. Yeah, that was that. Yeah. What to, we, we recorded that a while ago, uh, but we finally got to release it this week. I mean, it got released. So, uh, you know, I sh month or so later here late January is when you and I are recording this. And uh, yeah, I forgot, I'd forgotten that because that conversation was so long ago. I'd forgotten how good that conversation was. He's so smart. Um, really good dude. It, it's just, un, yeah, it's unbelievable to me the level of talent in this industry. Sometimes that's a guy where he's like, not only do I have one successful team, I have two plus I'm running an entire other successful business. I know. Plus I'm fostering sad, you know, needy little children. Like he is, he's, it's unbelievable. So keep bringing on amazing guests so we can all learn, please. Yeah. It's funny. Not a week goes by that someone goes, man. And then they fill in the blank with the name of a, of a guest. So, you know, they, they said this or did this and it really helped me or touched me or, or whatever. Uh, Barry definitely uh, did not disappoint. And I know that you haven't either. So, um, well, awesome. Well, we're going to wrap today's uh, show up and, Guys, check out Homegirls. Who knows, by the time this is released, it might 
They might already have a few more channels that they've got out, but look for their podcast coming soon for sure. Go like their Facebook page, which we'll definitely link in the show notes and um, reach out to Lindsay. She was crazy enough to give you her cell phone number. Um, so please be nice with the texts uh, to, that you send to her and uh, we'll talk to you again soon, okay? Thank you, Kevin. All right, talk to you later. Have a, have a good week, listeners. We'll talk to you next week. We hope you loved our show today. If you enjoyed it, do the homegirls a favor and leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you listen. Share this episode with all of your homegirls and friends and find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at homegirlsco.